This show is brought to you by earpeeler.com. What's up, everybody? This is John Bush from Armored Saint, and you are cranking it up. Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss. Hey there, this is Joey Vera from Armored Saint, and you are listening to Mars Attack. This is Doyle Wolfgang von Frankenstein of Doyle, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what do you say? Be careful, because Mars Attacks. This is Bobby Blitz from Overkill. You stay tuned. Hey, this is Chuck Billy from Testament right here on Mars Attacks. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, this is Dave Windorp of Monster Magnet, and you are listening to Mars Attacks. Hey, what's happening? This is Tommy Victor from Prong and Danzig. Hey, all, here's Andreas Kitzer from Sepultura and De La Tierra, and you're listening to Mars Attacks. Enjoy. Yo, what's up? This is Frank Fellow from Anthrax, and you are listening to Mars Attack. Turn it up! Hey, this is Richard Patrick from Stilter, and you're listening to Mars Attack. Hello, everybody. This is Max Cavalera, Soulfly. You're listening to Mars Attack. Stay metal. Welcome, one and all, to episode 134 of the Mars Attacks podcast. I'm your host, Victor, and this time around, we have three very special interviews, and these are interviews that I conducted a few months back. Um, I'm working catch-up here to try and um, put all these various interviews that I did a few months ago when I did the Classic Albums series that was released or the episodes that I did release to coincide with our sixth anniversary back in the fall. And, you know, when I talked to these artists, I wanted to not only talk about these great albums, but I also wanted to talk about what they were doing as well, because I think it's sort of dumb to have them on and not talk about their stuff also. Um, Obviously, I've mentioned this in the past. There are different issues that have come up along the way. Uh, Recently, we've been dealing with server issues, um, which are tied into not only the Mars Attacks uh, website, but it was something that was knocking Mars Attacks, Ear Peeler, uh, my Galaxy of Geeks podcast offline, and a bunch of other things that that I'm working on behind the scenes as well. And very frustrating time. Lost about a month worth of uh, <laughs> worth of uptime per se, and playing catch up for uh, for for like ten days, two weeks with ear peeler. There was just ridiculous. Um, I'm usually working on that site anywhere between I don't know ten to fourteen hours a day. Um, I mean, I was putting in twenty hours. 20-hour days. It was just ridiculous. It was putting in things. It was or adding news. It was eliminating things that I didn't need to post. And it was uh, was a bit of a chore. It was very uh, interesting to say the least. But at least um, I will say that it helped me sort of refine the process of what I want to do with that site and possibly carry over to other sites. 
Uh, I've mentioned this in the past. I tried launching both Ear Peeler and another site called Entertainment Podcasting at the same time. Unfortunately, it is just not humanly possible to do both at the same time, and I've had to rescope that second site, and it will launch at some point in the future, as will a few others. Uh, there will be something in the near near future. Uh, entertainment post- podcasting, excuse me, will probably launch later on this year. Whereas there are two other sites that will hopefully launch before the beginning of the summer. So there you go. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> I seem to be coming down with a cold as well, which is never fun, but it is what it is. We're going to try to get through the show here. Uh, like I said, we have three interviews. We have Joe Stump, the Shred Lord himself. We have Tom Potter from the band Gun Driver. And we have Ross the Boss from Death Dealer, amongst other things. So there you go. And I got to double check. I got yelled at by their publicist the last time because I did not say the name of the band correctly. And it is, yes, it is Death Dealer. I was saying plural the other time Death Dealers. Band, multiple guys, Death Dealers. But it is Death Dealer. There you go. Not going to question it any further. Um, Just mentioned the ear peeler. If if you like what I do here, if you like other podcasts, if you want to find out about more podcasts, about other interviews that your favorite artists are doing, go to earpeeler.com and check out all the great news that that I'm posting on that site. Uh, Everything from uh, audio, podcast, a video podcast, uh, and some written, uh, some, some written interviews as well, uh, gear reviews, uh, we ventured into, I mean, it's mainly hard rock and metal, but we have veered into some other things, um, some rock-based podcasts, some, uh, there's, uh, an emo podcast or two that I post, uh, Billboard's pop podcast as well, so, I'm just trying to, uh, you know, fill out a whole gamut of things. Uh, there are some shows that don't always focus on hard rock and metal. They they focus on other things. So I also want to be able to cover those aspects as well. Also want to remind you guys that you can check us out on social media, facebook.com forward slash Mars Attacks Radio. On Twitter, it is Mars Aries 2005. We have Google Plus, we have Tumblr, um, Instagram, uh, although we use that very little. Nonetheless, go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find links to all of that great, great stuff. Um, Also mentioned Galaxy of Geeks a moment ago. Galaxy of Geeks is another podcast that I do where um, we talk about Geek-related topics, uh, The Walking Dead, uh, all the superhero movies, Game of Thrones, uh, comics, video games sometimes. So if you're into any of that stuff, go to galaxyofgeeks.net or you can subscribe on iTunes. It is available on Stitcher and will be available from the Google Play Store once they release their podcasting um, medium or however you want to say it. So there is that as well. 
So there you go. Um, there's been a topic that I've been kicking around back and forth. Obviously, with all the sites that I have going, um, I do have ads on them. So I do. I mean, I, I don't want to sit here and beg for people's money, obviously. Um, I don't know. I just find it tacky when, when people do that, when they sit and beg for you to click on PayPal or, or to, um, you know, use their Amazon links or whatever. Everyone has Amazon links. I have them. <laughs> Talking Metal has them. Decibel Geek has them. Um, Steve Austin has them. Chris Jericho has them. So on and so forth. And it's, again, it's, I've mentioned this in another show. It is ridiculous to me to have someone that makes, it makes $40 million a year beg for you to click on their ads and say, you know, uh, if if you don't click on my advertisers, I won't do this anymore. It kills me to hear that because I'm making zilch <laughs> off, of, off of the podcast. Quite the opposite. I'm spending quite a bit of money on hosting and different upgrades and different things that I'm using for the various sites that I have. Um, at some point, I'd love to recoup that cost. And if I could do that through ads and whatnot, that's great. What I've seen a lot of people turn to is Patreon. Everyone from Despot Geek Podcast has that to uh, the Rock and Roll Geek Show. They have it. And I've seen others from other podcasts that have it where it goes to, you know, instead of being, well, Decibel Geek has has it set up so that if you subscribe, they have a VIP podcast where it's Chris and Aaron just talking about different things. And you have outtakes of interviews and whatnot. Um, but you have other shows that is just flat out blatant that, Hey, give us a uh, dollar a month. Give us $5 a month to support the podcast. And that's it. They don't give you any more content. Uh, there are others that offer you t-shirts or various, you know, rewards for, for backing the, the shows. Um, and I've, I've mulled the idea around quite a bit, you know. Um, does it make sense for me to do Patreon with Mars Attacks? You know, what could I do? Would people subscribe to it if the Classic Album Series was a Patreon exclusive, for example? Does that make sense? Um, would it make sense for... For a resurrected version of one of my other podcasts, I've been kicking the idea around of doing my uh, Incoherent Ramblings podcast again, where it's just me talking about different things. Um, would it make sense to offer that as sort of a reward? You know, do people really want to hear me ramble about different things? I don't know. Um, would people just be willing to, you know, hey, I'll cough up a buck a month to support things? I also realize... And I've heard from various shows that that do this is once there's an initial, you know, push, once people initially sign up, a lot of people don't come back on board. It's it's usually like the hardcore, very hardcore audience that subscribe to Patreon and things like that. 
you don't tend to have um, people come on after that. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think you're going to have more people jump off the ship than jump on as time goes by. That's just my guess. I could be completely wrong with that. Uh, again, I haven't set it up. Um, uh, we have obviously the ability to donate with PayPal. We have the ability for people to purchase things via Amazon. Um, it's just, you know, the, the, the basic facts. I don't pull in the amount of listeners that a talking metal does or that Despo Geek does or Eddie Trunk or, or any of these other people. And that's cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, I'm just trying to do my own thing over here. And, and similar to my to my liking music, um, I don't always go for the most popular things, you know. So I'm fine with, with not being number one in, in any category. If there's anyone out there that that this is their favorite podcast, you know, I just want to say thank you and drop me a line, man. <laughs> but um, But yeah, I mean... The, the idea with all of these sites that I have going on is that hopefully with all of them, I can monetize it somehow, you know, make it worth my while. As, a, as I've said in the past, uh, due to the employment situation where I live, um, I'm trying to do all these various sites to try to help make ends meet. We're not hurting for money but we are scraping by every month and making you know uh, a few hundred bucks a month where i live is like the equivalent of making a few thousand <laughs> in other parts of the world in, in the states basically so um i'm not begging for your money but if you can send anything that is very greatly appreciated um like I said, I am working hard behind the scenes to try to make other things come to fruition. And hopefully, you know, with little dribs and drabs, um, we can maintain to keep everything afloat. And at the same time, you know, it can help improve other aspects of the show, maybe equipment um, that, you know, we'd like to maybe um, or that I'd like to update at some point in the future. Uh, the computers that I do use are a few years old, so who knows what they could crap out, but we shall see. So, again, this Patreon makes sense. If you think it does, you know, mention something on Twitter. I know Metal Dan is good at adding comments there. Uh, if not, you could always send a uh, an email, info, or I'm sorry, input at marsattacksradio.com and um, yeah just let us know let me know what you think about all of that so there you go um, so we are going to get into the first interview and this is going to be Ross the Boss's interview uh, before jumping into the interview, I do want to play something off of the latest Death Dealer album, without a doubt. Uh, I do want to encourage you to go and use the links, as I just said, to pick up the album. Uh, or at least go to iTunes and pick up any tracks that, um, 
that you may enjoy off of the album. So the 2005 release is called Hallowed Ground. Hallowed Ground, excuse me. Hallowed, no. Hallowed. Like, hallowed be thy name. Um, let's get into the leadoff track off of the album. This is Gunslinger. And after the interview, we'll come back with another track by Death Dealer. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 
And you just mentioned the motorboat. You're going to be playing that with Death yes, Dealer. Yes, sir. Um, what's it like to go out with Death Dealer now as opposed to some of the other uh, bands you've been touring with in the past? Well, we've taken the band in three years from the drawing board to releasing Warmaster to be getting on this amazing new label, SMG. Um, and we, we started playing festivals. We've done an arena tour of, of, uh, of Eastern Europe. Um, it's a great band. Um, we're in our infancy, and uh, it's just it's taking off. It really is, and watching it take off is great. Being that you are such a seasoned veteran, um, and comparing that with some of the other bands that you've been in, seeing them take off, what's different about seeing Death Dealer take off? Well... You know what I'm going to tell you that that all the bands that I've been in and playing with the, the focus is on songs, and the focus is on songs with Death Dealer, not just the fact that everyone can play really good and fast and all that bullshit. Is songs. Right. The only thing that matters to me is songs in, in in rock and roll. I don't care how fast I play or slow I play or whatever it is. You can be the greatest musician in the world if you don't have songs. You don't have anything. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, and when do you guys expect that second album to be out? I'm expecting it on October 2nd. You should, you should too. Awesome, okay. Um, there was another project that you would work with in the past um, that got some MTV play, and it was Manitoba's Wild Kingdom. Right. Um, that that's sort of a, a cultish album, if you may, because obviously it doesn't have the name that the Dictators has or right, Man right. of War, or whatnot. Um, but it still had a lot of great tunes on it that local New York stations tend to always play. They still play them from time to time. Yeah. Um, what does that Manitoba's Wild Kingdom album, specifically the first album, mean to you? Well, there was only one Manitoba's Wild Kingdom album. It's actually the Dictators with one guitar player, me. Um, this record was, uh, every song was like two minutes, 13 seconds, two minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, was also mixed by uh, Andy Wallace. And he went on, the next, the very next record he mixed was uh, Nevermind by Nirvana. Um, crazy, huh? So, I mean, I think, I think like some of the best songs are on that record. I mean, it was thrash. One side was pretty thrash. And the other side was rock and roll, you know. But I, I think it's a great record. We do, we still play a lot of them songs live. Yeah, definitely. There are some great timeless tracks on there that, like I said, some got, you know, recognition on MTV and whatnot. But there were other great tracks on there. Yeah. Party starts now. New York, New York. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and obviously, I mentioned a few of the bands that you've been involved in. Um, from time to time, you get back together with the dictators. Now here, let me let me let me let me let me let me cut this off right here. The dictators sure. have been touring steadily since 1996. The dictators have we have changed our name to the Dictators NYC. Um, we've been playing all of Europe now. We did 22 shows in May. We're doing another 12 in November. We just produced. We just uh, we're releasing our first new single. Um, in the new modern age of, of the Dictators New York City, NYC. We have two new members, uh, Dean Rispler on bass from Murphy's Law and other assorted amazing bands, Daniel Ray 
who was the original member of Wild Kingdom and a member of the Dictator's family. Uh, he writes, he wrote for the Ramones and produced Ramones records, and he plays with Ronnie Spector. So, I mean, we've been touring this new version of the band now for four years, and it's not a reunion. It's this band is 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 as full time as you can get now. Awesome. Yeah, I know. I have uh, an acquaintance that's actually followed you across Europe to a few different dates. So, so we're playing. We're playing Barry Ball on New Year's Eve. Not Barry, oh, Barry Electric. Oh, excuse me. Okay, and even the new members that you mentioned, I mean, they're all New York City guys. They're all yep, part of the yep. bigger extended New York family, per se. Right. Awesome. Um, a lot of people got introduced to you, obviously, through Manowar. Um, do you maintain any sort of relationship with those guys? At the moment, I don't. Okay. I had, a, I had a really great relationship with Scott Columbus, but as you know, he passed. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yes. Okay. If people want to keep up with what Ross the Boss has going on, what's the best place for them to go? Okay. You can hit my Facebook page, Ross Friedman, since they're not allowing us to have uh, um, of nicknames anymore. Um, so it says it's Ross Friedman, and you got Ross dash the boss.com you got Ross the Boss fans on Facebook uh, deathdealer.co uh, Death Dealer's website uh, Death Dealer page on, on uh, Facebook um, pretty much I mean I could safely tell you that I mean I am more busy now I'm playing also I'm playing uh, uh, the Titans of Metal in Israel on December 17th with uh a lot of folks, uh, Dean Rispler on bass is joining me from the Dictators, and Sean Peck from Death Dealer is also playing. It's an illustrious lineup. Den you know, Denner and Sherman from Merciful Fate, and uh, Uli Roth is playing, and the, one of the girls that were lead singer of Nightwish, and a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of different people. Chuck Billy's playing. Um, so that's December in, in Israel, so. So I have two touring bands, the Dictators New York City, Dictators NYC, and Death Dealer, constantly touring now. And do you ever get to rest? Nope. <laughs> no. no rest. I, I'm sure you want it that way. That's right. And you know why? And you know, people, a lot of people in this in the music business, and a lot of people in the world, that that can't seem to, you know get anything going and, and a, lot, a lot of people talk well how do you do it how do you do it Ross it says first of all I've been at it for a long time second of all I get up every morning and I work my ass off okay I also have a batting cage here where I'm calling you from so there's, there's not one day I don't have one day off during the year my days off are days off on the road if I'm on tour so I work as hard as I can work every single day getting things done and as you can see things are getting done so you know, I all I, my advice to the younger musicians are, are work harder. You know, I'm not saying that people don't work hard, but I say, you know what, you got to work harder. You got to step it up. Step it up. Absolutely. If you don't take care of your own business, no one else is going to do it for like, you. No one, no one else gives a rat's ass about you, and uh, if you don't give it, give it about yourselves. You know, they say, how do you keep? Do, people say, how do you keep putting out records like this? I go, I just keep working. I mean, just keep working, man. Don't take yeah. no for an answer. Every day you have to have something, get something done. You know, 
I don't take drugs. I don't smoke weed. I don't do anything like that. My, 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 my. The way I have happen, way I achieve happiness is from a new, from putting together music, a new song, playing, you know, new ideas. I mean, already Stu and I are working on uh, album number three for Death Dealer. So, oh, and by the way, we filmed an amazing video, an amazing video in the north of Sweden three weeks ago with uh, a very, very, very legendary uh, video director, Oe Lingvall. And it's okay. an amazing video. So, so I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm honored to play. I'm all, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a blessing. But on the other hand, I work for it, so. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that is awesome. I, I appreciate you spending all this time with me and, and explaining all these different details, especially correcting me with the dictators there. Yeah. And... Um, and I can't wait to hear the the new Death Dealers album. Yes, I just you, can, you, can, you can go to our Facebook page, and you can see, and you can see there's a post there about SoundCloud, and the name of the song is Plan of Attack, and you can hear a song off the record. Awesome. So I recommend everybody doing that, and then buying the record on October second or wherever it comes out in the United States. The Galaxy of Geeks podcast is four guys talking all things geek, whether that's Star Wars, Marvel vs. DC, TV shows, movies, or anything in between. We have all the geek bases. Go to galaxyofgeeks.net to find out more. Punch it! Okay, what's up, everybody? This is Ross the Boss from the Dictators NYC and Death Dealer, and you're listening to Mars Attacks.
a little kill by Death Dealer. Yes, that interview did take place a few months back. I lead it off with questions regarding the motorboat. So there you go. Um, that track does come off of the 2005 release, 2015 release. Holy crap. Um, Hallowed Ground, pick that up using our links in the show notes to go to either Amazon or iTunes to pick that album up. Up next, we have Tom Potter. Now, I really recommend you going back and checking out the um, self-titled debut uh, Kiss Classic Albums episode just due to Tom's commentary regarding his sort of loose connection to Kiss and uh, working with someone that worked closely with them back in the day and just the stories that he was told about the band and, and whatnot. Um, and not only that, but you need to check out gun driver was very pleasantly surprised when I heard this band for the first time, you know, a lot of times I receive promos. A lot of times I receive maybe 30 promo albums a day and it is just, um, outside of it being overwhelming, the percentage of really good things that you get in comparison to, you know, stuff that's either run of the mill or really, you know, doesn't have all that much to offer is, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's, I receive a lot more garbage than I receive good stuff. And there's just so much oversaturation with the internet no different than podcasting. Hey, <laughs> people can listen to this and think it's garbage, which is fine. Uh, and there are other people that can listen to this and absolutely enjoy it. So it's completely up to you guys to determine whether what you're listening to is hot garbage or if it's something that you really like. So, um, so yeah, so I got to talk to Tom, really enjoyed what his band has done with this uh, with this release it's what's inside this also came out last year in 2015 um we're going to check out a track let's let's keep things going similar to the death dealer let's go with the lead off track first it is a track called rip it and then we're going to jump right into the interview with Tom Potter of Gun Driver <laughs> Losing down the highway, got my food on again. Passing the cars, I gotta get the best. Burning some robbery, my own mistake. I got my girl next to me. Shit, my good thing. Yeah, I'm a beat machine on the road. 
talking about Kiss and everything else and and with Zeppelin, a lot of different things regarding um, producing and being a sound engineer and all of that. Was there one album or one specific thing that made you want to get on that side of, of music to actually sit behind the console and learn? Was it Jim that you mentioned earlier or was there something else that made you want to really learn you know how to work the sound engineering end of the business. Well, I, I you know I, I was a helicopter pilot in the army, so the the army's mentality about that is the amount of information that you have to have immediately available in your brain is just excessive. So I took that mentality when I got into music and just I didn't know anything about recording. I, I didn't know anything about recording software. I didn't know about Pro Tools, Logic. I didn't know about an analog board. I didn't know about you know. Compressors, effects, EQs, like any of that stuff. I just knew I had these ideas in my head and I couldn't record them. And I was super pissed off that I didn't know how to get the ideas out, you know. And um, so, purely by chance, I missed up the date when I was leaving the military and when I was starting starting school. And they're like, look, there's nothing you can take but audio engineering. And it's, <laughs> you know, and I was like, but, 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 you know, like, there's other stuff I want to study. And uh, and so as, as, it, as it panned out, you know, my cousin was like, dude, what's wrong with you? You're studying like you're going through med school or something, you know. And so because I'd be putting about four or five hours in the books like every day, you know, nobody wants to hear that about rock and roll. But if you want to be successful, you have to be smarter than the next dude, you know what I mean? Um, right. And so as I got into engineering, um, I, I was like, oh, and I started to see like, dude, this is the keys to the Corvette, you know. And I think some of the best records made in the last 30 years were the Pantera records. And I don't think it's any mistake that that, that Daryl and Vince grew up with a studio in their backyard that those guys ended up making some of the records that have some of the best engineering on them. And that, you know, they stand up even, you know, 20 years plus down the road from, from when they were recorded, you know. And so, like, I started to kind of put this stuff together. It's like, dude, you really got to get into this stuff. You know, like you got to know your, just like you know your guitar or your amp or your drums and your drum heads and cymbals and that stuff. You got to know the board. You got to know the gear. You got to know the mics. You got to know. You got to know the right engineers. And so, I, I, back to Jimmy Page, I, I saw that Page had, had snagged some of the best engineers in the business. And Jimi Hendrix also had 
uh, Eddie Kramer. You know what I mean? And so I began to get, began to look at bigger bands like Guns N' Roses. Like, who do they have? You know, it was my claim. You know, and then, okay, what did Bob Rock do? How did Bob Rock end up working with Metallica? Because that, you know, that wasn't where he started. You know, he started off as an engineer, then he was producing, did some Motley Crue stuff and a whole bunch of other bands in the 80s and, you know, working with Metallica. And then, um, you know, dudes like Terry Date and, um, you know, I mean, the list goes on and on. But Page was my biggest influence when it came to production. And then Dave Isaac, um, who... You know, Dave. Dave's worked in, in pop, rock, gospel, all sorts of stuff, and he's just a very, very gifted engineer. But on top of that, Dave Isaac is a gifted instructor, and he was very he was able he was able to him he was able to break down uh, record production for me in terms that I could pick up very easily. And I ended up, you know, making certain analogies from my flying days in the army to record production. And so it all it all kind of clicked and made I understood the process from a bird's eye view of how it was to go, and then then I started you know tinkering with gear and kind of putting my plans together. But well, I wanted to sound like this. I wanted to sound like this. Um, but when you go into the studio, you know I'm, I've been playing Les Pauls through a plexi type amp, which is kind of like it leads to like an '80s rock type sound, which wasn't necessarily the goal, but it sort of happened. But there's different ways you can. EQ and filter and micro guitars to get them to sound, you know, a little bit more, more modern or a little bit different, just kind of like what Slash is doing these days, you know what I mean? It, it, you know, it, it just lends to its own world. And then once you have access to that, because like anybody who loves music and, and writes music, they all want to create the absolute best, uh, you know, product that they, that they possibly can. And when you're in the studio, you're, you know, you're trying to catch a lightning in a bottle with the same token. You also have the ability to to layer guitars, layer vocals, you know, you know, screw around with effects and EQ, and, you know, all this, all this, all this cool stuff you can tinker with and do, you know, multiple mixes and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you, you work on your own little experiments in there, you know, a lot of fun. Have you been able to apply your knowledge as a sound engineer with any other band outside of Gun Driver? Have you worked with anyone else outside of them? No, no. And the, the, the even I, did, I spent a lot of time still working outside of the country. You know, I still got a real job. Um, uh-huh. So the you know the intent from my my, my education when it came to, to engineering was, was basically solely for my own ideas. Uh, if, if there are other if there are other bands that I'm like, dude, I gotta record these guys or, or they're friends of mine. Yeah, I'll definitely mm-hmm. when when what I've learned and, uh, and and work on work on helping them. You know, but like when you're doing like the actual tracking and mixing, dude, that mm-hmm. is like burning the midnight oil, like lots of freaking work. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean. And so I love playing guitar. So like I view everything in life as like how much of how much of my guitar playing time is this going to take take away from me? You know what I mean? Gotcha. So okay. and at some point during the the, the the kind of genesis of Gun Driver, I made the conscious decision. It's like, look, dude, either you're going to be a guitar player and songwriter. Or you're going to be an engineer. One of these has to take priority. So I chose guitar playing. Gotcha. Okay. And you guys are listed as being a, a California band, but based on your accent, you don't sound like you're from California. Dude, I, I grew up in Virginia, and I'm, I'm calling you from Texas, which is where the uh, where I got the idea to found the band. Um, but I was out studying audio engineering in Hollywood, where I met Tomes, the singer, and Alex, the drummer. And uh, so that's, you know, it's listed as California, but dude, I, I travel a lot for work, so I'm out of the country a lot. So, and that's just where the, 
the band was, you know, founded. But I mean, you know how it is. Once you start touring, I think you're all over the place. Right. <laughs> and so, I, dude, I'm in the process of uh, re- relocating the band to Austin, uh, which <laughs> maybe only an assignment, only only just with me. Uh, you know, I'll see if I can't get the other guys down here sooner as opposed to later. You know. Well, Austin in these, um, I would say in the last few years, it's probably become a lot more of a commercial um, uh, music environment, I should say, because with uh, South by Southwest growing so big and um, and it being known for, you know, the the music scene that it does have, I, I would think that probably wouldn't lose anything by by moving there. I, I guess the the only big thing is is sort of maybe moving people away from LA that have maybe been there for, for a while. I don't know how comparable the, the scenes are from, from that end of things. Eh, well, here, here's how I look at it. LA is full of great studios, great boards, ton of tons of high level equipment. Like we were doing the first album, we needed a keyboard held down the SIR five blocks away. We had the thing over there in less than an hour, you know, and we were done with the tracks in a day. Uh, where, you know, I don't think Austin is full of warehouses of equipment, so you maybe need to do a little bit uh, more planning on the studio you're going to use, but I've already selected a couple down there that I like. But, you know, L.A., the, you know, the traffic uh, is traffic sucks. The cost of living is high. So when you talk about, you know, being a musician, I see that stuff is kind of taken away, uh, taken away from, you know, anything available to create an album. And, uh you know, so I, I think Austin, you know, it's just a good place to get food, and people are a lot of fun, and uh, it's a great scene. Uh, and, you know, maybe it's a good thing that it's away from away from the industry, you know? <laughs> like, the recording industry has a 95% failure rate on find acts. You know, maybe they're looking for the wrong stuff. Maybe they don't, you know, uh, you know, I mean, that, that, I mean, that's how I'm looking at it. And um, so, the, the, I mean, the you know, I mean, there's always there's always something uh, to be gained from a town. So um, I, I've learned an enormous amount from Los Angeles. There's tons of rock and metal players out there, and engineers and people who know how to work on gear and all that sort of stuff, which is cool. I just think it's time for uh, you know change of scenery. I saw that you guys did some shows with Michael Shanker recently. Yeah. Um, what's that like for you as a guitarist to get to open up for Michael and see him? play or did you or were you able to interact with him at all while you guys played with him shanker is a living legend and is one of the best guitar players i've ever seen play the instrument if not the best and uh and people say well why you know is it fast is it flashy no it's just good all you know the tone's great the playing's great the articulation is great and there's a reason why that dude spawned uh kirk hammett Edfield, uh, Mustang. Um, Gary Holt, all, all these other great, great players. Well, you know, Zach Wilde will listen. If Slash will mention them. Like they, he, this dude knows how to play the guitar in such a way that it, it just really cuts through, you know, all the extra noise and really hits people. And uh, when you're watching it live, dude, it is unbelievable. You know, it's like, and I, you know, as a guitar player, I'm, 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 I'm not like a super fan when it comes to other guitar players. Like, I, I don't like to sit around. And, just watch all these other guitar players play, you know. This dude, I watched every night. I watched every show on both national tours we did with Shanker. The, the whole band, you know, the cool dudes, the whole crew was great to us. They, you know, kind of took us under the wing. And, 
you know, we were just doing our first couple tours, and so they kind of kept us out of trouble and showed us how to do things right. And, you know, the tour manager, Tommy, Tommy Sasson was a great dude. Uh, you know, they looked out for us, and, uh, you know, as a guitar player, I, when I first started the band, I didn't want to make it Tom Potter's, like, guitar solo extravaganza. And uh, so I really kept the, the, the solos, like, really short, like, 12 bars, 8 bars, stuff like that. And then after watching Shaker play, you know, on tours, and, and it was like, okay, dude, it's okay to, to let her rip. You know what I mean? It's okay to have some longer solos. And in fact, you know, that's what the rock and roll public, you know, wants. They, you know, and if you're not really bringing that, you're bringing the wrong stuff. I, well, I mean, for us, for, for our style of play. Um, and so, you know, it was good to see Shanker doing that. And on top of that, I didn't see this stuff advertised on television. So when we went out and saw these guys play in all places, you know, in Pennsylvania on a Tuesday night, a thousand people sold out. Um, it was good for us to, to see that, that the rock and roll public is still very much there, even the wide stream media uh, or mainstream media doesn't necessarily always support it. Um, that, the, you know, the public's always, always going to come out and support bands that, that deliver, you know. And uh, Doogie White, <laughs> you know, he, he was in Rainbow and, um, you know, played with multiple other people, just, you know, like watching those guys perform every night. It's like, you know what, that's how you do it, you know. And uh, our second tour, um, we were lucky enough to uh, tour with Rev Jones playing bass. And the guy's like, you know, he's played with Mountains, Steelheart, uh, MSG, you know, you know, his own band, and, and, you know, multiple, multiple others. So having him out on the road with us, uh, not only was he a powerhouse player, but there was a lot of, you know, professional, a uh, wealth of professional knowledge. Uh, that came with them, um, you know, and so it was, it was, it, it's, you know, really nice not only to have somebody like that on stage with you, but the same token, helping you, uh, you know, kind of steer things in the right way, you know. When you were back in Virginia, was there one person, one guitarist that made you want to pick up the guitar? You've mentioned Shanker, you've mentioned Jimmy Page. Is there anyone else out there that was a huge influence, an influence enough to once again make you uh, pick up the guitar and want to learn? I picked up the guitar because of Steve Vai. I saw he, he, that video that the audience was listening. I saw that when I was a kid. Or no, 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 no. It was it was Yankee Rose with David Lee Roth, and I was like, okay. holy crap! Like I did, people, you know, I saw him do it. You know, it's like the audience is listening, doing all these wanky, crazy, whammy acrobatics in the intro of this thing, and I was like, I want to do that, you know. And so, so like, I got my parents to buy me a guitar. And it wasn't set up like a Floyd Rose. And if it had been, I still wouldn't know what the heck to do with the freaking thing. So I was trying to do all the whammy dives like Steve Vai. And it was just like, Wah. you know, I couldn't get it to go, you know, all that crazy stuff. But Steve Vai was the first person. And then Stevie Ray Vaughn, man. And like I, Stevie, even though he had passed away right before I got into his music, I can honestly say basically Stevie Ray Vaughn coming out to play guitar. Like there was like a several month period where like, didn't know how to play, and then like I was just like I'm gonna learn Steve Ray Vaughan's version of Little Wing, note for note. Like I'm, and then you know like three four months later I could actually play the freaking guitar because I spent like all day trying to learn all this stuff, you know. Right. And then um, and I hate to say that he recently he, and he passed away right before we left on tour, uh, but my good friend Bill Moreno, he you know he was a Berkeley jazz head and he taught it my friend uh, Kevin Bierce's new solo growing up and I. I took some lessons, and Bill was, I mean, he was just, I'd never seen anybody play the guitar like this. 
the dude, it was this crazy fusion stuff. And he was just like, it was a big Italian guy. just like full blazing on the freaking guitar, you know? But he was cool enough to be like, you know, show, show me like, hey, dude, you need to read this theory book. It's dry as sand, but read the freaking thing because it'll give you the, the keys of the kingdom, you know? And, uh, you know, so Bill t- taught me an enormous amount that I still use today. Are there any other guitarists out there that you've come to learn of in the last few years or maybe while you've been out on tour that uh, have piqued your interest? Uh, well, you, you know, I, I was always a huge fan uh, of Daryl, you know, Dime from Pantera. And, uh, you know, as a lot of people, I mean, he spawned a lot of um, people who were heavily influenced by him. Uh, but, you know, talk, you know, talk, talk about a uh, great example and great influence. And then Zach Wild, you know, like it's he's taken his technique so far on so many levels that you know that, that dude's like just a real inspiration. Like, okay, man, you really need to take your stuff up to the next level. And like, but he does it so well. There's still soul in his playing. There's still feeling in his playing. It's not kind of robotic, you know. And uh, you know, I mean, I could go on, on you know, uh, about guitar players with with those two dudes. Um, you know, but, you know, then I also, you know, I'm always constantly looking back to the classics of uh, Jimmy Hendrix, Jimmy Page, Slash is another one. And, you know, I think people may, again, not give these guys credit for how intelligent they are, but when it comes to song structure and uh, harmonic tension release, I mean, that dude's obviously got his stuff together. I mean, you don't write all these amazing album after album after album, even after Guns N' Roses, uh, that, are, that are so well done without knowing what you're doing, you know. Um, so, so, I mean, there's plenty of people to, to, to draw from and I'm always looking for new, new players, uh, you know, but those are some of the guys I look up to, you know, if people want to keep up with what gun driver have going on, where should they go? Hey, you can just check us out at uh, gundriver.com. Forged from the fires that created a long-lost brotherhood of podcasts comes the Blast Syndicate. We are made up of Focus on Metal, Inside Metal, Iron City Rocks, Mars Attacks, Metal Geeks, MSR Cast, Neckbreaker, Radioactive Metal, and Wiki Metal. We are the Blast Syndicate. Go to BlastSyndicate.com to find out more. Get blasted. What's up, y'all? This is Tom Potter from Gun Driver. You're listening to Mars Attacks Radio Show with my main man, Victor. Rock and roll.
is coming off of what's inside by gun driver that track is called rage hope you enjoyed it hope you enjoyed the interview with tom so we do have one more interview to go it is with the shred lord joe stump it is his second time on the podcast joe is always fun to talk to always enjoy his banter uh he's got a unique sense of humor and Again, this was done a few months ago, so before we sort of jumped into the entire interview, or it comes up during the interview, we talk about um, we talk about Richie Blackmore and how he's getting back together and he's getting back together to do a rock-based thing. He's putting Rainbow back together. 
and we sort of kick around the idea about who should be in the band, who shouldn't be in the band, whatnot. Um, obviously, at this juncture, we know who's in Rainbow and who isn't. Um, it's interesting because with all of the hoopla surrounding the Deep Purple Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing, Richie is saying that Jolyn Turner should be in should be in um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame due to his work in Deep Purple. But at the same time, Richie is not working with Jolyn Turner for his new version of Rainbow. So does that make sense to anyone? You know, that sort of caught me off guard. So um, the new lead singer of Rainbow, who apparently is the guy that orchestrated everything, his name, and I want to make sure that I nail this down right, um, his name is Ronnie Romero. And from what I've read, he's... Chilean, he's born in Chile, but he's lived here in Spain for the past few years. Now, he has just released, or is about to release, I, I apologize, because again, I get these promos quite a bit in advance. So, um, he's released, or about to release again, a an album with a band called The Lords of Black. And this is being put out by Frontiers Records. And let's jump in real quickly and check out the track Everything You Are Not by Lords of Black. Just so we get a small taste of what Rainbow will sound like. So here we go. This is Everything You Are Not.
little Lords of Black. I don't know. He reminds me a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Robin McCauley. Uh, just there are certain nuances of his voice that are in that sort of vein or feeling. Um, nothing wrong, man. I actually can be honest to say that possibly after those Macaulay Shanker albums is one I sort of checked out with with Michael Shanker, although I do appreciate a lot of his more recent work. Um, it'll be interesting to hear what he sounds like doing the Rainbow Tracks. Uh, it is good to have... It's good to have Richie back doing Rainbow. So we shall see how long it lasts, how it all pans out. And, man, what a – how foobar is the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Come on. Every year there has to be some sort of some sort of thing going on with them. But uh, it is what it is, I guess, at this point. Uh, interesting with – with what Ice Cube and Gene Simmons have been saying back and forth. I understand both of their points of view. Uh, Let's be honest here. The Rock Hall, because they were all a bunch of old curmudgeon fogies, um, have had to sort of turn the reins over to the fans to an extent where they have put out a list of artists that you can vote for, and NWA was voted (laughs) In So um, the fans did that. And Gene should appreciate that because the fans did that for Kiss as well. We can argue to the ends of the earth, to the ends of time, um, about what's rock and roll and what isn't. And I get what Ice Cube is saying. You know, it's a state of mind. No different than what Paul Stanley says during a lot of Kiss concerts that rock and roll, you know, isn't a haircut isn't the way you dress because, you know, some people have to work as, you know, have to work in an office, have to wear suits, have to wear certain ways, but or have to look a certain way to work. But it does not mean that on the inside they are hard rock and metal through and through. So I get where Ice Cube is coming from. Um, other people have said, well, you know, NWA only released two albums. Correct. Two very groundbreaking albums. That is also similar to saying that Guns N' Roses shouldn't be in there because of, you know, Appetite for Destruction, just how huge and enormous that is and how much bigger that is than the Use Your Illusion albums. But, again, that's these are things that will be debated forever. Um, you're either a fan or you aren't. In most cases, diehards will, you know, preach to... <laughs> preach to the end of time once again that a band belongs to be in there while others will not. It's just how it is. Uh, There are always bands that are overlooked. Um, I personally think that there's still plenty of bands that need to get in. Uh, Bands like Yes, bands like UFO, who getting back to Michael Schenker, his work in that band revolutionized guitar playing for so many people. You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, Richie Blackmore is unsung. Michael Shanker is unsung. Give me a break. Uh, Because we have smoke on the water every 10 seconds playing on some sort of a rock radio station around the world. When's the last time that you've heard 
Love Drive by Scorpions, uh, Lights Out by UFO, or even anything from, you know, when's the last time that you've heard, well, I take that back because if you're listening to any trunk, you're hearing Captain Nemo by Michael Shanker, so my bad. But anyway, you get my point. You get where I'm going to, or what I'm getting at, I should say. Um, so anyway, yeah. Those bands should be in. I've seen people say that the Doobie Brothers should be in. If you have Fleetwood Mac and Eagles and all that, I mean, it would be logical to put the Doobie Brothers in, I would think. Uh, Let's see with fans voting how that turns out. Because, again, um, NWA, Kiss, Rush, these are fans that are on the Internet. They have a you know, huge, huge following. So you have people on the internet that are going to go out there and vote for them. Is it the same with some of these older bands? I don't know. Time will tell. Um, So we'll see. And then you get into the whole area of the 80s. What about Megadeth? What about Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Motorhead? Yeah, some of these bands originated in the 70s but made their largest dents, in most cases, in Iron Maiden's case, for example, in the 80s. Do you put Ozzy in as a solo artist? What happens with Motley Crue? What happens with Bon Jovi? What happens with Poison? So, and then do you all of a sudden start to put in Whitney Houston? Do you go with Duran Duran? Do you go, you know, how, in what direction do you go? Because none of these artists were favorites of Rolling Stone, who's ultimately behind all of this. So we'll see how everything shakes out. I know that Paul Stanley has said that thanks to Kiss getting in, when you get in, you get a vote as to who else gets nominated Uh, So it'll be interesting as time goes by what some of these artists that have been, you know, that have had a hard time to get in, who they will nominate. Will they go for other artists that have also had a hard time getting in? So we shall see. In any event, I want to get into the segment with Joe Stump here. And he released, he also released an album in 2015. So we are we are playing catch up once again. So and for that, again I I do apologize. But um coming off of the Dark Lord Rises, we're doing once again or we're going with the leadoff track. This is Hostile Takeover by Joe Stump, and we'll come back with Joe Stump's interview before wrapping the show up. Thank you. 
when we did get to talk the last time, we talked uh, a little bit about uh, Richie Blackmore and about you seeing him play not that long ago, I guess a few years ago at this point. Um, When Richie said earlier this year that he's actually thinking about doing a rock project again, what went through your mind? Um, You know, I mean, uh, probably the same as everything else that everybody else is about fucking time. You know what I mean? Of course, you know, that's the first thing that everybody says. It's like, hallelujah. You know, does that mean your wife's actually going to just, you know, watch instead of getting up there? You know what I mean? <laughs> um, you, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah. but, um, but, you know, of course, everybody wants to see Blackmore return to rock, even if it's just like a one-off thing. You know, I mean, I, I laugh, you know, I talk to like friends of mine that are like, you know, where, where it's like, okay, tell, you know, guys, you know, friends of mine that are fellow Blackmore fanatics, and it's like, all right, well, whatever's going on, apparently, whatever we got going on, we're canceling it, you know, you're leaving, you know, you're leaving your family, and we're going to see like every every show we can possibly can, you know, it's the kind of thing where where it's like where it's like a pilgrimage, you know what I mean? So. So, you right. know, if you're doing festivals in Europe, hopefully, you know, I'm freed up and I'm not, you know, I don't have anything significant in the pipes that I can't break away and at least see, like, one show of it, you know what I mean? And I'm hoping that, that you know, more of it comes. You know, we are talking about only maybe playing, like, you know, a bunch of shows, but, but you know, who knows, you know, what kind of life it's going to take on or, or, you know, who he's going to do it with or, you know, what's going to happen, you know. But obviously, I want to see it. So I'm very happy. I'm very happy about that. You know. Yeah, he's he's already said that um, that unfortunately he's not going to include Jolyn Turner. Obviously, he can't include Ronnie James Dio. Who do you want to see go out as a lead singer for him? Well, you know, I would. You know, I I mean, I I love Jolyn Turner's voice, and I and you know, he's done like the rainbow thing. You know, he had that over the rainbow thing, and um, I I you know, like one concert I really like, he was playing with this this or you know, guitar player Walter Jardino from Argentina who plays with Rata Blanca, and Walter like myself is a huge Blackmore disciple, and they're playing like all like purple and rainbow and stuff. So so you know, so so I would love to see you know. Joe with Blackmore again, you know, that would have been great. So I don't know if anybody, like, right off the bat that immediately comes to mind. It's like, yes. You know, obviously, you know, the standard guys that have sung with it before come to mind, like whether it's Kitty White or whether it's Grand Bonnet or whatever. But, I mean, I don't, uh, uh, um, you know, but I don't know, maybe has something specific in mind. I really don't know because I remember reading another thing where he said, he was really going to focus on a good amount of the stuff from the deal period of time. I mean, one guy that would fit the bill perfectly for that would be uh, Ewan Lance, as far as right. the deal stuff goes. You know what I mean? So, 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 you know that 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 would be that would be a powerhouse thing. But you know, also it would be cool. Like I saw Joe Turner mention it in some interview after you know he got wind of that. But like, it, it would obviously be great if you had like. Rainbow guys from different areas. You had like Bobby Lundell playing drums. You had Joe singing. You had Bob Daisley playing bass. You know what I mean? Right. And and you know and it depends. Like you know I don't know if it'll be Tony Carey or or Paul Morris. You know who was with the Monster Stranger and it's all you know playing keys or whatever. So 
you know, or even Don Harry, that would be that that would be awesome, you know. Or or even like you know, Roger Glover and Don Harry, you know what I mean? But but I doubt, you know, I doubt that you know, the 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 purple came to black water like crossing over anytime soon. <laughs> right. Um, uh, I, I would assume that he's not going to pull a fast one and have his wife sing that too. Uh, you, you know, I, I, you know, <laughs> you never know, but you know, but but I, I kind of doubt it. You know what I mean? I kind of, you know, I kind of doubt it. But I mean, he he does enjoy what he's doing, and and you know, he certainly earned that right. So so you know uh, of. You know, and and in some ways, I give him a lot of credit because, you know, he all of a sudden just like went deep into like playing Renaissance music and playing like a lot of finger style things and almost like, you know, like totally immersing himself in like another genre after all those years of playing rock. You know, granted he always dabbled in that kind of thing, but he got deeper into it. You know what I mean? And like some of the some of the intricate finger style things that he does. Um, you know, in the Renaissance and Baroque influence things that he got, that he does. Um, you know, it's almost like he had a had the discipline to to immerse himself in another style of guitar at like that late you know, that late point in his career and his life. So somebody else that has that kind of discipline, you, you know, you, kind of, you, you really have to whether you want to hear him play rock or not, you have to tip your hat. You know, right. Now, if if you were to put together a classic albums list and you could include one deep purple and one rainbow album what album of each would you pick um well i mean like i would if i could only pick one you see like like for me i always pick stuff like i always pick like one studio one live you know like so it's hard for me to say one because you know deep purple i love burn and made europe as well as Machine Head and Made in Japan. You know what I mean? Same thing with Rainbow. I love Rising and Live on Stage. You know what I mean? Right. So, so, so you know, but the live ones, as far as, like, Black was playing those, of course, you know, Deep Purple, you, you'd say Made in Japan, and Rainbow, you'd probably say, you know, Live on Stage, as far as, like, you know, the powerhouse of Black was the dark way. You know, and like those tunes, like really taking on another life as opposed to the studio version. Gotcha. And what what period of Blackmore's career, whether it's Deep Purple or Rainbow, has influenced you more? I'm probably. I mean, I love the purple stuff, but probably the the Rainbow stuff because. Um, you know, like on the purple stuff. You know, not that I don't love the purple stuff, but he was much bluesier. Where in the in the in the rainbows with the rainbow stuff, he was much darker as far as like his soloing. You know, as far as um, you know, had like an even heavier classical influence in the rainbow stuff, and you know, he's playing in dark dark scales, whether it's Hungarian minor or double harmonic minor, thirteen dominant. You know, those are all like you know musical terms but like that's the era of black or that that you know i really love you know whether it's gates of babylon or stargazer or light in the black or you know what i mean if i think of like my favorite influential you know blackboard guitar tracks you know it's granted i love burn and i love highway star and i love mistreated you know i like the rainbow mistreated i you know because i play in addition to doing my solo thing and everything i play in one one band that's a deep purple tribute called Stormbringer, 
and we play all purple. And, you know, it's fairly legit that the keyboard player's got, you know, an organ, you know, a Hammond and two Leslie's. And then I have my own thing, Black Knight Castle, where, um, where I play predominantly rainbow stuff with some purple stuff mixed in. So, so you know, in addition to, like, all the other stuff I do, I've been playing with all those bands. So, for me, it's awesome. Like, so, in addition to all, you know, my solo stuff and the other metal bands, uh, I'm playing all the time, playing playing that stuff. And I'm also playing, like, a ton of guitar in all, all those shows because I'll, you know, I'll, I'll play the Blackmore stuff, plus I'll go off and do some shredding, you know, like, you know, do some shredding as well because people that are fans of my solo stuff will come to the show. Gotcha. And as far as the other guitarists that have come into Deep Purple after Richie Blackmore, uh, are there any of them that have really stood out to you? Not to say that they've equaled Richie, but that you've uh, been mean, a fan. No, 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 I mean, like, Steve Morse is awesome, and he's a great player. I'm not, like, a big fan of his. Not that I don't think he's awesome or anything like that. He's just my personal taste. He's not someone that I listen to. But, of course, he's a monster player and a great musician. And, um, and, and you know, and I'm sure does, like, great things with Purple and stuff. But, like, you know, somebody tried to give me a ticket to... Um, you know, to like a 10th row seat to Purple with Steve Morrison, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you couldn't even give me a ticket. You know what I mean? You could say, you could say hey, I'll, I'll give you the whole Purple discology after Richie Blackmore, and I'll be like, no, nah, I'm good. You know what I mean? I have, for me, I got no interest. You know? Right. It ended there, you know, for me. You know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying like, he's not a killer player and like people can't enjoy Deep Purple because obviously they're, they're going on and doing great. But, you know, for me, I've got no interest in it whatsoever. Gotcha. Okay. One of the weirdest sort of comments that I've read regarding Purple uh, in recent years was with their last album. Uh, Supposedly, Bob Ezrin says that he had to teach Steve Morris how to play in the studio, which just blew my mind given his history and all the things he's recorded on. That's very strange. Yeah. Um, or, or, you know, maybe, you know, I'm not sure, like maybe, you know, uh, maybe he's got a particular way, you know, that Bob Bessman, maybe he's got a particular way he makes records or something or produces records, you know, I don't know. A hypothetical G3 tour. If, if Joe Stump was going to put a G3 tour together, what other two guitars would you take out with you? Well, you know, obviously I wouldn't be taking anybody out because, um, you know, I would be the low man on the bill, you know what I mean? I would be the opener, and the other guys would be taking me out, you know? So, so I don't really know. For me, it's tough because, you know, granted, I could I could say all kinds of things about, like, other players that, you know, I, I obviously I would love to do it with the guys that are my heroes. I would love to do it with, you know, obviously, Ingrid comes to mind. I would love I, I, I would love to play on a tour with him. But, um you know, because he's one in addition to Blackmore, he's he's one of my heroes. You know, one of my big my biggest influences and one of my heroes. So that that would be awesome, of course. So I wouldn't be taking anybody out. Um, you know, I would pick him, and you know, and that would be great if I was opening up for uh, for, for for Blackmore and him. But I mean, that that ain't gonna happen. And plus, the other thing is, I would probably be so nerve-wracked because, you know, those guys would be watching me. So, you know, that probably wouldn't be a good experience for me either. So, but, um, but, but of course it would be cool. I've done like things like that in the past with other players and stuff. So, 
for and and you, to really make something like that work, of course you want to do it with players that are all like fairly diverse. You know what I mean? You know, like 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 all have different. You know, while they're shredders, all have different styles. You know, so of course any of the guys would be any any Greek players. You know, would be a cool thing. But but as far as me picking, it would be all like my favorite players, whether it was Uli and Shanker or Ingbe and Blackmore or, you know, or any of that kind of stuff, you know. And the last time we spoke, we were we had the interview with regards to uh, Revenge of the Shred Lord. Do you have any plans to follow that album out or are you working on any other projects at the moment? Oh, I have a new I have a new solo record coming out in October. It's okay. I know the. Um, the name of the record is The Dark Lord Rises, and okay. it, it's it's the the best record I've ever made. You know, tune wise, it's it's very very cool. Um, you know, granted there's some neoclassical stuff in there as well. Uh, of course, there's you know some heavy power metal stuff. And, you know, kind of there's even like a track with some black metal elements in it. Um, there's a couple really since I have been immersed myself, like since I've been playing with Black Knight's Castle, the Rainbow thing, and Stormbringer, the Purple thing. I got a couple um, Blackmore tracks, you know, um, um, on heavily Black Blackmore inspired tracks on the record, and um, and and then I also have like this Gary Moore inspired ballad, which is the nicest you know guitar ballad I've ever done. Um, you know, it came out beautifully. So, um, and sonically, the record just sounds killer. And, you know, my, my playing, since I've been playing so much, my playing on it's like stupid good. So, uh, I'm, uh, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, people are going to hear it cry. No, I'm only kidding, but it's, um, but, 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 you know, it, it really holds up. You know what I mean? Like, that's the bottom line. You make guitar records and it's like, does your product hold up against, you know, the other players making those types of records and, uh, and, so I mean, this record like super strong, and and you know I'm excited to see what people say about it. But uh, but you know um, it, it, so that'll be out in October, and then um, the holy hell thing is ramping back up. I had a you know since we left the old label slash management company, and you know we're we currently have new management. Um, we had to re-record the entire second record. You know there's just been a bunch of legal. Uh, into you know legal stuff that held the band up, but the thing's finally um, you know the the new management company will find a new home for the uh, for the Holy Hell record, and that's all in the works and in the pipes, and and you know that came out you know once again like really really strong. The tunes are great, and, um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with that. And then I Exorcism, the doom metal band I play with. Stuff's kind of like Sabbathy or some of it's like Black Label or some of it's like Tony Morton or Sabbath or like the heavier stuff, you know, did like, you know, Tracy Junior or like Angry Machines and uh, Strange Highways, you know, it's got that kind of vibe to it. So um, Exorcism just put out um, MEPs and I played all the solos on that and guitars on um, most of the tunes. And then I got this new project with these European guys called Tower of Babel. And that's where Chopper Second from Exorcism and Mark Cross, you know, drummer Mark Cross, he's done a few things with um, Halloween. I think he did some something with Scorpions and, you know, he's played with a bunch of bands and um, 
and um, the bass player from one of the bass players from Royal Hunt, and Mysteria, the uh, you know Italian keyboard keyboard whiz. So it's like kind of like you know I wouldn't say oh it's a super group, but you know all the, all the guys are legit, you know reputable players. All the stuff is fine, and it's very. Um, Rainbow, Deep Purple, a couple of Inde-esque things, but more on the Rainbow and Deep Purple side. So um, we're putting the record together now, and, you know, we got some people shopping. We got a management company shopping it, so, you know, that'll see the light of days, you know, maybe even sooner than the end of the year. So lots of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so, 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 you know, a billion, you know, lots of stuff going, you know. I think I'm in, like, I don't know how many, you know, between Holy Hell, the the Blackmore thing, the Purple thing, my solo thing, Exorcism, you know, and Tower of Babel, I, you know, what is that, like six bands or something like that, I don't know. <laughs> so you, you're not bored at any <laughs> at any point in time, you're keeping fairly busy. Um, yeah, well, I'm playing a ton, you know, which is great, and all these records I've already made, so now I don't have to make any more records. You know what I mean? I'm good as far as, you know, because I, I recorded all the guitars for Tower of Apple. I recorded all the guitars for Holy Hell. I recorded my new solo record. I already tracked the Exorcism EP. You know, that's out. That came out in June. So, so you know, the only, my, my next recording project I'm doing, uh, I did a book last, you know, came out in April of, you know, I want to say last April, maybe. Not the April that just passed, but the one before, April 2014. You know, a metal guitar instructional book. So I'm doing um, another, you know, another one. Um, you know, the topic is sweep arpeggios and um, you know, arpeggio playing sweep picking. So that's like my next full-on, like as far as recorded project. But, um, but yeah, like other than that, I just, you know, just going to be playing live with all the... Um, all the different things I get going. Gotcha. Okay. And you touched on a interesting subject, the, the sweep picking technique, uh, which has become all the rage over the last few years. Um, what's your opinion on seeing a lot of these newer players applying the, the sweep technique to their playing? Do they all do it correctly? Are there some that um, you listen to them play it and they're nowhere near close to being... Um, um, you know, it's, it's tough for me, you know, I mean, anytime guys are playing newer players or incorporating, I mean, sweet picking has been around a very long time right. and has been, you know, and, you know, and a lot of the, you know, like metal can, you know, take on as many different sub genres as you like, but, um, but a lot of the metal lead guitar vocabulary has been constant for, you know, many years now. So, so I definitely need to say, like, while I'm aware of newer players and stuff, it's not like, you know, if I'm going to listen to guitar, I listen to the guys I like, you know what I mean? You know, gotcha. whether it's Andy LaRock or Hank Sherman or Michael Schenker or Higby or Blackmore or, or you know, Walter Giorgino from Mother Blanca, you know. I mean, Toby, you know, my buddy Toby Knapp makes some killer stuff, you know, the BB's got like some, you know, guitar virtuoso stuff that has some elements of black metal and thrash, so... um so, you know, I'd rather listen to guys, I, you know, I, while I'm aware of the, of the newer players, it's not like I'm listening to any of that stuff. Gotcha. And how does working at Berkeley impact your playing? Um, 
Well, I don't know if it actually, you know, I mean, of course I'm aware of, like, you know, I have students that are into every kind of, whether it's, like, extreme death metal stuff, like Cannibal Corpse or um, or Obscura or Black Dahlia, or whether it's um, black metal stuff or whether it's legit, you know what I mean, periphery, rings of spatters, um, stuff like that, or, or whether it's power metal or guitar virtuoso stuff. Uh, you know, great players like Andy James and Jeff Loomis. Um, you know, like 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 my my students will listen to like it, you know, makes me aware of different things that I might not have got a chance to hear. Not that they, they impact my playing because I'm kind of you know focused in and, and you know kind of have my well my well I incorporate all different schools of metal into my music um, into the things I write and play. I've kind of you know got my thing that I do. So, so I don't know how much it, it impacts my actual playing and stuff, but I mean, I'm always, um, I'm all, since, I, since I'm very driven and still to this day practicing and playing all the time, it's not like it's, um, I mean, you know, my students, you know, all see that, you know, I haven't slowed down, um, you know, one step as, as I've worked there a long time, whether I'm and, you know, gotten older or whatnot, I'm still, you know, I'm still on it all the time, you know? And that's what I tell them. I said, you know who's playing guitar all the time? Me. You know who's dedicated? <laughs> Me. Why don't you guys get with the program and get on your, your smartphones and off of Facebook? Who was the last guitarist that you discovered that really surprised you? Um, You know, I don't, you know, I don't really, I, like I said, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. There's guys that I see that play great. Stuff, you know, as far as like well-known players, but I mean, you know, no one really surprises me or anything like that, you know. You know, and I'm not really, you know, um, like I said, I don't really pay it. To, you know, I don't listen to everything like brand new, but there's tons of great, great new players out there, and and young guys that play nice things and stuff like that. So, but it's it's not like I'm, and while I'm aware of it, it's not like it's something that, oh, you know, immediately something comes to mind. And where should people go to keep up with all the various projects you're working on? Um, you know, this is just on Facebook page, and this is a .com site, although people don't really use the .com. So, you know, .com site, I don't really update the activity stuff, but, you know, mainly just the tour dates. Um, but on my Facebook page, I'll, I'll post, you know, you know, when the new record's coming out, and I'll start to, you know, maintain the .com site more often. So, but you know the, the the new record will be out in the new record will be out in October. So you know everybody keep an eye out for that because if you love guitar, you certainly won't be disappointed. Awesome! And you said the Exorcism album came out in June. Yeah, and... the Exorcism EP. Um, I think a world in sin, I believe it's called, you know, that came out and it's got some cool stuff on it. Some, you know, if you like Sabbath, it's Tony Martin, Eric Dio, ever Sabbath. And, um, you know, I'm playing some guitar, you know, I play, I play some, you know, kill guitar on it. And then the Tower of Babel thing will be out, you know, at some point, you know, I'm not really sure, you know, that's kind of in flux, but, but, you know, for now, you know, the Exorcism record came out in June, and the EP, I have my solo records coming out in October, so that's, you know, two records this year, so that's, that's probably to keep people, uh, you know, occupied. <laughs>
Earpillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. Hey, pay attention. This is Joe Stump. You're listening to Mars Attacks Podcast. Just got back from your work break and you need a little pick-me-up? Mars Attacks Podcast is featured weekdays on Maximum Threshold Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. in the UK, and 7 p.m. Central European Time. Go to MaximumTreshold.net to tune in or find out more.
Thank you for listening to the Mars Attacks podcast. This concludes our show.